All right. Good evening, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us. We're so glad that you've decided to, and I hope tonight will be a help to you. Um, it's been a help to me in studying it and uh, going through this, so I'm excited that we have this opportunity to be able to go through and study uh, the book of First John continually. And uh, I've said, I said it this morning. I'll say it again. I want to thank uh, Pastor Levi uh, especially uh, for taking this last week. He did a great job, and um, I learned from his message as well, so... I want to thank him for that and for Pastor Stone and Pastor Holland for taking the other two. Uh, those guys did a great job. I'm so glad that uh, we have a staff. I, I thank them personally and just said thank you guys for allowing us to be able to uh, go and do this without this staff. There's no way that we would be able to. And so we're just thankful for that opportunity. If you would, take your Bibles, turn to First John, First John chapter 3. And uh, we're going to pick up where Pastor Levi left off. He left off in verse 19, so we'll pick up there. Um, and if you'll uh, remember, and if you can remember, and you go back to what you know, Pastor Levi said and what we've talked about, all the way up until this, uh, John the Apostle has been taking a great deal of time to explain to us the contrast between light and darkness. He's explained to us the contrast between righteousness and evil. He's explained the contrast between love and hate. But I hope you're asking yourself the question, what is the purpose of all of this? How does this all fit into uh, my, my life? I, obviously, there are some things that I must do, and there are some principles to learn here, but what, how, what's the main goal of all this? And it is my opinion that this is John bringing it to a point, a climax, if you will. He's kind of led us up until this point, and he's brought us to this point. And he showed us these different contrasts, and he showed us uh, how to walk in the light, and he showed us how to live righteously, and he showed us how to love our brother and not to shut up our bowels of compassion, and all of those things for what I believe to be this purpose. And that purpose is found here at the end of chapter 3. If you'll look with me in verse 19, the Bible says this. And hereby, okay, so he's, all of these things that we've listed before, hereby, we know that we are of the truth. Hereby we know we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart, heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer, and we'll get right into this passage. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you so much that uh, we live in a free country and have even uh, technology to be able to do this. Father, it's been a long day for some, and uh, for others, uh, maybe this is just an encouragement that they need, but Father, I pray that today this would be something that people could really sink their teeth into, and Father, it would be uh, uh, not in a shallow way, but in a realistic way, a life-changing uh, thought process. And Father, I pray that we would uh, begin to draw closer to you each and every day because of what's taught here tonight through your word. And Father, I pray that you would, again, remove me out of any of this, that it would be you only and your word that shines through. And Father, people would be encouraged tonight. Thank you so much for dying on the cross for our sins. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, the purpose of all of these things, again, here, is found in, I believe, this 
final passage here in 1 John chapter 3. So if I can put it into two words, I would say this. The purpose of all these things are for clarity and confidence. For clarity and confidence. John has spent a great deal of time saying that these are the things that people that walk in the light, these are the things that they do. These are the things that people who walk in darkness do. These are the signs of someone who loves. These are the signs of someone who hates. These are the signs of someone who lives in righteousness. These are the signs of someone who is evil. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, in fact, actually, if you turn over there with me, Matthew chapter 7, I believe this is an important passage to tie this in. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15. Keep your finger there in 1 John. We'll be back. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15. The Bible says this. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Verse 16. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? The answer to those are no. Even so, every good tree, watch now, bringeth forth good fruit. I mean, these are the signs. This is what happens with somebody who's living right. But a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. If you're going to be evil, these are the signs that you will portray. John has taught us all of this. Watch verse 18. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. This passage to me is so important as we begin to wrap up chapter 3 because all John has taken the time. He has set everything up. He has purposefully put us in this position so that we know everything that's good and right and godly and that we know everything that's evil and wicked and sinful over here. And so we know which way that we need to go. We know that we need to stand in righteousness. We know that we need to love our brother. We know that we need to walk in light. And if we are doing our own will, if we're following our own way, then we will end up walking in darkness and we will be evil and we will hate our brother. So it's important. We have all these things on either side. Now, I want you to understand this. There will be some people that will say that you have to do these things for your salvation. You have to do these things for your salvation. But I want you to understand, we do all these things. We walk in light. We are righteous. We, we are uh, uh, loving our brother because of salvation. Not for salvation. It, we don't get saved by doing these works. It's because we are saved that we do these things. We walk in the light because we are saved. Because we have Jesus living in us. We love uh, our brethren because we are walking with Christ. We live righteously because we are uh, abiding in Christ. It's very important to understand. There will be people that try to tell you that these are the things that a Christian does and has to do in order to gain eternal life. That is not the case. These are things we do because we are saved. 
So I want you to understand this. Without Christ, without Christ, we cannot do these things. We cannot walk in the light. We cannot be righteous, and we cannot love our brethren. All of these things have come to a head, and they have come to what I believe to the most important part of especially this chapter, and that's this, our relationship with Christ. Our relationship with Christ. Thus far, he has talked a lot about our relationship with our brother. He has talked a lot about our relationship and a little bit of abiding in Christ, and really he brings it to a head here with our relationship with Christ. Now I want you to think about relationships just for a little bit. Every relationship have, have ebb and flow. Every relationship has highs and lows. These highs and lows are often dependent upon the two people in the relationship. So let's put it this way. If you are both happy, you are both excited, everything's going so well, listen, you're on a high note. Man, everything's just wonderful, it's beautiful, it's amazing, you're singing, you're whistling, everything's just wonderful. But if one or the other uh, gets burdened or, or upset or annoyed or anything like that, you know what it does? That brings the high down just a little bit, doesn't it? Now, if both are disappointed, both are upset, both are frustrated, then you get to the low point of the relationship. Uh, so there's these ebbs and flows, these highs and lows where, you know what? We're on cloud nine one day. And sometimes we can get way down to cloud number one pretty quickly. It's hard. It, 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 it's, it's difficult. Relationships take work. And so when we get to cloud number one, I don't know if that's even a term, but uh, uh, things are not going the best. You know what happens on cloud number one when things are not going the best? You know what? Communication begins to break down. Well, I'm upset at her, so I'm not going to talk to her. I'm not going to tell her what I'm doing. I'm going to do my own thing. Uh, another way to think about this, bitterness sets in. Things can get very tense in these types of relationships. This is not a wonderful, beautiful type of relationship that we've just described. I'll give you a personal example. I'm sure I've told you this before, but when I was 16, I did not have a good relationship with my dad in one particular moment in time in my life. I had borrowed my dad's truck. My dad was at work. He had taken the other car to work, and I was headed over to my uncle's place. At 16, I could drive by myself. My uncle lives on a back road, and uh, it was very snowy. It was, I believe, January, very snowy time, and we had just gotten a fresh snow, and I thought, I'm going to turn the four-wheel drive off on my dad's truck, and I'm going to do some fishtails up my uncle's road. And so I did. And I began to do fishtails up and down the road, and I began spinning around. I remember looking down at the speedometer and looking how fast my wheels were spinning. And at one point, I got them spinning 100 miles an hour. Not 100 kilometers an hour, 100 miles an hour. So I was getting this truck swinging very nicely. Well, I got it spinning 100 miles an hour, and I came this way. And as it came back this way, I completely lost control of the truck and it began to spin, and I hit a tree. And I remember thinking, oh, this is the dead honest truth, I remember thinking, maybe it didn't do anything. <laughs> and I got out, and I mean, liquid was dripping all over the ground. 
there was a good-sized tree dent in the hood, in, in the whole front of the, of the truck. And I remember just thinking, what am I going to do? So I ended up just, my uncle just lived a few minutes even away from us. So I just drove up to my uncle's house and said, hey, I'm not going to be able to go with you today. And I drove back home, and my mom came out and said, what happened? I said I was being an idiot, and I really was. And I was fishtailing, and I hit the tree. I tell everybody now, uh, the tree jumped out in front of me. But I hit the tree, and I wrecked my dad's truck. Well, guess what? My dad wasn't overly excited about that. I'm not really sure why. He wasn't happy about the fact that I had wrecked his truck. And so let me ask you, you think that would be a good time to go to him and say, hey, Dad, can I have 20 bucks? That's, that's the worst time. In fact, I ended up, my mom took me over, over, back over to my uncle's place, and we ended up going and doing the thing that we were going to do. And uh, she called my dad at work. And man, am I ever thankful for that, because my dad had about six and a half hours to cool off. And he rolled up after long day's work and a long drive home, and he said, I bet you've been dreading this moment. And I said, yes, sir. He said, get in. And he said, show me what happened. So I, we drove over there together, and I showed him what I did. My dad wasn't ticked off when he saw me, but he wasn't happy. Our relationship was tense. Like, there was tension in the air, and I, I didn't want to look at him. I didn't want to uh, uh, meet eye to eye. I didn't want to make eye contact with him. So this was one time in our relationship I was not excited to be with my dad. Now, there were other times our relationship was good. There were, uh, our relationship was wonderful, and we were having a good time together. Listen, those are some amazing times that I remember, and I could list tons of those for you. We had great times together. But in this particular moment, there was a, definitely a low point in our relationship. You see, our relationship with God is quite similar. There are times when we feel close to God, right? Sometimes things are just exciting. Uh, uh, you know, we turn our eyes upon Jesus. We look full in his wonderful face and the things of this earth just go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And it's just, it's just awe-inspiring, right? And then there are other times where we just, we feel distant. We feel like we're a long way away from him and we feel like God is not close to us and all of these types of different things. And the interesting thing about this to me is we are usually the ones in control of that, for the most part. I mean, you can look at Job and you can say, well, God uh, kind of removed his hand off of him just for a little bit. Yes, I understand that. But I'm saying for the most part, we control the ebb and the flow of our relationship with God. So let's go ahead and take a look at this, this uh, passage and, and see what it is that how we control this, Okay. And I want to prove this to you tonight. Look at verse 19 again. He says, and hereby. Again, please understand, all of the things that were listed, you can look up at verse 18. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. We can go back to righteousness. We can go back to hating. We can go back to walking in light. And hereby, we know that we are of the truth. These are all the things that God has placed in our lives so that we will know the truth. That we are of the truth. That we are on God's side. That we are abiding in Him. But look at the end of this verse. Look what it does. 
and shall assure our hearts before him. And shall assure our hearts before him. This is how we know we are of the truth. We have a radical, unconditional love. A love like the world has never seen. A righteousness like no one in the world could ever accomplish on their own. This is how we know we are of the truth. And that's the important part. is an unconditional, radical love. Listen, the only unconditional, radical love that I know is God so loving the world that he sent his only begotten son. He gave his only begotten son. That's unconditional, radical love. Jesus, God, did that. That does not come from the world. That does not come from uh, evil. That does not come from unrighteousness. That purely comes from righteousness. So you can look at your life. And you can say, I have unconditional, radical love for my brother. You know what you can do? That will assure your heart that will encourage your heart that you are with God. Look at that verse again. And shall assure our hearts before him. It's an assurance. This is, you could say almost, this is who God wants me to be. This is where I should be. I'm in that spot, if you will. I have a good relationship with man. I have a good relationship with God. It's confirming my relationship with God. This is what the assurance is. Because these things, love, the walking in light, and the righteousness, they don't come except through Christ. And so it's as if it's just an, an assurity toward your relationship. It confirms your relationship. You know, to me, it's as if you are saying through action, God, I love you. God, I love you. And this is proof of that love. Proof of that love. And so again, you, you liken this to a, a physical relationship. You, you have an assurance. You have a, uh, 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 when your relationship is so good, you can't think of it any better. There is just an assurance of the relationship. Assurance of your heart before him. But look at 1 John chapter 3 and verse 20. Kind of changes the paradigm here a little bit. Look what he says. For if our heart condemn us. Okay, so we just talked about an assurity of our heart. But there's another side to this coin, and that's our heart condemning us. I, wait a second. Our heart just assured us because of what we did. Because of what we were doing, because we were walking in the light, we were living righteously, and we were loving our brother unconditionally. So what happened that our heart begins to condemn us? You see, there are things in our life that we can do that our heart will condemn us. This is our heart saying that there is just something that is not right. There is something between my soul and the Savior. Let me give you an illustration. Let's say one particular person who this evening shall remain nameless goes out fishing and tells his lovely, beautiful, amazing wife that he's going to be home by 10 a.m. He is not home by 10 a.m. He comes home at 11 a.m. 
he's pulling up the boat to the dock. And would you guess that, you know what? This person does not even need to see his wife. He knows his heart is condemning him. You should have been home by 10 o'clock. He's already hearing it. He's already hearing it in his own heart. He's beginning to understand he does not need to see his wife to know that she is not happy with him. He doesn't need a phone call. (laughs) Hearing, you're late. He already knows it. His heart is condemning him already. He has messed up and he knows it. He knows before he even sees her that there is a problem. And what would you do in that instance? You would walk over and you would say, Hi, honey, how are you today? Maybe give her a kiss and try to butter her up a little bit for your mistake. Hear me, there's tension there. His heart is condemning him. The relationship is not what it should be. It's tense. I want you to understand this, and I believe this is what the Bible is teaching. This happens in our lives when we are not walking in the light. We're living our lives the way that we want to. We're not loving our brother radically and unconditionally. We are not living righteously. We are doing what we want to do. We are over here living our lives. We go off. We do our own thing. And guess what? There's not a Christian in the room. There's not a Christian that's listening tonight that knows that God is not pleased with them. When you're doing your own thing, when you're living your own life, when you're uh, living riotously, as we see the Bible use that term often, we know that our relationship with God is not close. We feel distant from Him. We know that we have created tension. Now, let me ask you this question. Would it be wise for that that nameless person here tonight who went fishing... Would it be wise for him to begin to blame his wife for his problem? Well, if you were nicer to me, then this would be okay. And and begin pushing the, 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 uh, the problem back on her. All of the women are going, absolutely not. Don't ever do that. And all the guys are saying, you would be crazy to do so. Exactly. And there are people here today, there are people in our world today that will live like they want to and begin to blame God and say God is unfair. But listen, this is the interesting thing about all of this. Our heart condemns us. We know it's right. We're just trying to excuse it away. We know that we should be living righteously. We know that we should be loving our brother unconditionally. We know that we should be doing all the things that God commands us to do in his word. We know that. And we try to get after God and excuse our sin away. Our heart condemns us. But I want you to notice the end of the verse. For if our heart condemn us, watch now, God is greater than our heart. God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Our heart is condemning us, but God is greater than our heart. Though we may not be showing God love because we're living our lives our own way, we may not be showing God that we love Him, guess what? God is still over here loving us. 
God is still over here with his unconditional love saying, listen, I know you're walking over there. I know your heart's condemning you. I know your heart knows that this is wrong, but I'm just still waiting here. Just waiting for you to return. We all know the story of the prodigal son. Son goes up, does his own thing. Guess what? Father never stopped loving him. Though the son's actions said to the father, Father, I don't love you anymore. I don't care about you anymore. I don't want anything to do with you anymore. That's what his actions said. There the father stood with unconditional love saying, when you want to come back, I'm here. Read that verse again. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. You see, once we're a son, we can never stop being a son. Once we're a son, we can never stop being a son. God will not condemn us. He simply waits for our return. God will punish us, sure, absolutely. But he's never going to condemn us. God is greater than our heart. A lot of people use this verse, verse 20, to live the way that they want. If our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart. So I can be angry at my brother. I can be angry at my coworker, and God will forgive me. I mean, I can cheat that person out of money, or I can cheat on my wife, or I can do whatever I want to do, and I'm not going to lose my salvation because the Bible says that God is greater than my heart. He's not going to condemn me. I would say this. You are correct on all points. You are correct on the point that if you do something wrong, God will forgive you. You are correct. You are correct on the point that if you do something wrong, you're not going to lose your salvation. You are correct. But what we don't realize is that we are eroding away, constantly eroding the abiding relationship that God wants to have with us. Oh, yeah. Hear me. God still loves you. Oh, yeah. God still will forgive you. Oh, yeah, God will still be there waiting for you. But what you don't realize is you are wrecking and eroding away that relationship. And you are, all you are doing is creating more and more tension and creating more and more distance between you and Almighty God. It's becoming less and less important to you. I think this is pretty easy to understand, but for because I can't see your faces and I can't I don't know if you're with me or not, let me give you an illustration. If I was to cheat on my wife and date another girl, spend time with another girl, I think the first time I would feel really bad about it. I would feel horrible about it. And I would come back to my wife and I would get right with her and I would begin to uh, uh, work on that relationship again. But guess what would happen if I did it again? I would come back and I'd, I'd try and get things. But you see what's happening. The more I go out this way, the more this relationship doesn't matter anymore. Proving it. I'm proving that it doesn't matter. Because if this relationship mattered, I wouldn't be over here committing adultery. And yet Jesus says to us in James chapter 4 and verse 4, ye adulterers and adulteresses, 
Know ye not that the friendship of the world is at enmity with God. We do it every day. So you're correct. God will forgive. God is merciful. But man, when we have that attitude, we are absolutely taking advantage of the mercy of God. We are absolutely taking advantage of the grace of God. What shall I say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Romans chapter 6. God forbid. God forbid. And so this is why it's so important we used this uh, uh, quote a few weeks ago on a Sunday morning. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a book I'm reading, excellent book by the way, said this. One must be more zealous to please God than to avoid sin. One must be more zealous to please God than to avoid sin. Listen, it's not about just avoiding sin and not living uh, evilly and, and walking in darkness. It's about getting over here and dwelling with God and abiding with Him and spending time with Him and having our hearts assured that the relationship is wonderful and good. Because God is the perfect partner. God is the perfect partner. He's always there to love and to welcome. John the Apostle knew Jesus. John the Apostle had a great relationship with Jesus. In fact, the, uh, the Bible refers to him as the Apostle whom Jesus loved. He knew what, was, what it was to be at Jesus' side, to abide in him. So yes, it's true. God will forgive you. But every time you sin, you're hurting the relationship. And every time you willingly stay there, you're hurting the relationship and the distance gets further. Look at 1 John chapter 3 and verse 21. Here's the good news. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, look at this, then we have confidence toward God. If our heart doesn't condemn us, listen, we're, we're over here. We're living righteously. We're living well. We're, we're walking in God. Listen, we have confidence in Him. If we know we're living the way that pleases Him, we have confidence in Him. Let's put it this way. We can come boldly to His throne. We have clarity. All right, goofy illustration. When I was a kid, we had one of those invisible electric fences for our dog. My mom thought it would be a really good idea. And we had a big yard. We lived in the country. It was a good idea. And so we put this electric fence up and got it all set up and put the collar on the dog. And the dog began to walk around. And guess what? If the dog got too close, it would yelp because it would get a shock. And so before long, we didn't have to tie the dog up on a leash. Before long, the dog knew where it was supposed to go, and it had guidelines, and it was in this, this wonderfully safe area. And guess what? It could do anything it wanted to do in that comfortable, safe area. It had confidence. It could run. It could play. But man, if it got close to that fence, zapped him. In fact, one time, I remember when we first got it, <laughs> she had it a little too hot, and so the dog would get quite a ways away from it. And get zapped. And we couldn't figure it out for a while until we figured out that it was on too hot. But I want you to understand 
That when you are here, when you are walking with God, abiding with you have a confidence. You exude something that, that, that few people ever exude and ever experience. A confidence in God. A confidence in Him, in His power, in His strength, in His provision, in everything that God is. There's a confidence in Him. We have a confidence in the relationship. And look at the result. Verse 22. And, oh, I love this. Whatsoever we ask, we receive of him. Because we, watch, keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. That is incredible to me. Whatever we ask, we receive of him. Why? Because we're keeping his commandments. Because we're pleasing him. No doubt there'll be some people that go, oh, so I'm just to serve God so that I can get whatever I want. If you want to look at it that way, go right ahead because the Bible says it that way. But here's what I want you to get. Is if you're quote unquote serving God and you're serving him in the flesh, that's not over here. That's not walking in the light. That's walking in darkness. So it's not just about outwardly doing the right things and showing everyone else that you're doing the right things. It's about truly living here with Christ. God is far more likely to say yes to your requests when he's pleased with you. Let's put it this way. Psalm chapter 37, verses 4 and 5. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him. And guess what? He shall bring it to pass. I'm just telling you. This world, we fight hard. We, we, we try to do our own thing and we want to. Listen, the, the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And we're constantly wanting to do our own thing. I understand it. I get it. But if we will just walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And guess what? We'll experience the blessings and the, the amazement of God far more than we ever would have before. And I'm not, I'm, please understand, I'm not preaching uh, uh, that, you know, you'll be healthy, wealthy, and wise. That's not what I'm preaching. I'm preaching that you will you will receive the things. You will have a tie, a confidence to God that you've never experienced before. Let's continue on through the chapter. Verse 23. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. This is what God wants from us. God wants us to be saved, and then through the love that he has shown us, begin loving other people as he commanded. And then God will bless us and God will continue to help us walk in him and we'll be able to love other people. We'll be able to walk in the light and we'll be able to love other people. We'll be righteous and we'll be walking in the light and we'll be able to love other people. We'll be walking in the light and spending time with Christ and abiding in him. We'll be able to love other people. Brings me back to a passage 
Bible talks about two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. These are the two commandments. Upon these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Look at verse 24. And he that keepeth his commandments, watch here, dwelleth in him. And he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us. When we keep his commandments, when we walk with him, we dwell or abide in him. And he abides in us. I want to take you to John 15. One of my favorite chapters, John chapter 15. It's the abiding chapter. Take a look at verse 7. We'll read just a few verses here. John 15 and verse 7. The Bible says this. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, look, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. You'll look like what? Christ wants you to look like. You'll bear much fruit. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. Verse 10. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you that your joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Listen, you're going to be happier and more joyful than you've ever been. This is my commandment. Watch now. That ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. You see, John the Apostle writes, John chapter 15. John the Apostle writes 1 John chapter 3, verses 19 to 24. He's drawing a conclusion to say, listen, I've been there. I've laid my head on the breast of Jesus. I've spent time with him. I've walked with him. I've gleaned everything I could from him. And I want you to understand, please understand me, that you will bear much fruit. You can ask what you will and God will provide it. Listen, we've seen it happen. We've been eyewitnesses of this, he talks about in 1 John chapter 1. We've been there. And I, 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 feel, I feel an urgency in my own soul. And I can't imagine the urgency that John feels as he writes these things. Please, walk with Christ. Walk in the light. Be righteous. Love your brother. God will, it will be something like you've never experienced before. You see, I hope you see now that here's God. He's just waiting for us to walk with him. Here's all the other evil, wicked, vile. God's just here saying, won't you come? How do we know? That if we dwell in God, that God is going to dwell in us. Obviously, we see the, the word given here. But notice the end of verse 24 with me. And hereby we know that he abideth in us. This is how we know he abides in us. By the spirit which he hath given us. Guess what? 
the Spirit never leaves. When you're saved, you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. You're a child of His. The Spirit never leaves you. He has given uh, uh, another comforter to us. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us that the Holy Spirit is the earnest of our inheritance. It's the down payment. It's the comfort that we can have. He is our assurance. So God has given us something. He said, listen, I'm going to give you my spirit that will be with you always. That will bring, watch this, all things to remembrance. So that if you ever want to dabble over here, the conviction happens to bring you back to here. So that God can have that relationship with you. Let me ask you this question. Are we assuring our hearts before him? Are we clear? Are we confident in front of him? Or do we question that relationship? I remember, I remember it vividly, 16 years old, crashing my dad's truck. I don't think I questioned that my dad loved me, but our relationship was not what it should be. Not because of my dad, because of me. So let me ask you, the choice is yours. You will be known by your fruits. And your relationship with God, if it's good, it will be good fruit. If it's bad, it will be evil fruit. Let me ask you, what is your relationship with God like? It's not going to change overnight. But you know what I can tell you? You can make a decision right now to start making the change. To push the world aside. To push evil aside. To push darkness aside, to push hate aside and say, no longer, I'm going to spend my time with God and I'm going to allow the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. I want that to be known. I want that fruit to be known because I want to walk with Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you so much for the your word and so how it's so clear father tonight i pray that if our heart condemn us it would help us to get back to where we can know you walk with you again father we know that we can't lose our salvation but let us not use that as an excuse to do what we want let us look to you let us walk with you let us abide in you and be known by that fruit. Father, if there's anyone that listens to this that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, I pray that today would be their day of salvation. If there's anybody that listens to this that, Father, has stepped aside, maybe even for a moment, and began walking in darkness, I pray that today they'd come back to the light and walk with you. And I pray all these things in your name. Amen. Listen, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to watch through this, and uh, I hope it's been a help to you. I honestly hope it has been a, a life change for you. It's going to take a lot of work. And listen, if there's anything that we can do to help you with that journey, we would love to do that. That is our passion. That's what we want to do. And so if, you'd, if you're new to our church and you'd like to connect with us, there's a connect uh, card uh, in the description, a link in the description. You can just click on that, fill the form out. Uh, there's not a lot of information that we take from you, but we would love to be able to help. And you can fill out any prayer requests or anything like that in there as well. We just want to be a help to you. And if we can, we'd love to be able to do so. Thank you so much for joining us today at Bible Baptist Church Online.